0: This is Ed Pruitt, Editorial Director with NEJM Catalyst, and I'm on the line with Dr. Pedro Berjano, MD, PhD, Chair of the G-Spine Force Spine Surgery Division at uh, IRCCS Instituto Orthopedico Galezza in Milan. And Dr. Berjano, thank you very much for joining us today uh i want to begin by asking you to describe the situation with covid19 at your hospital in milan and in lombardy in general
1: thank you very much for your kind invitation hello to all your uh, followers and uh to describe the situation is is weird for us but i will try to be uh, very specific on that one month ago our life was completely normal and we heard from from the news that one case of COVID-19 had been identified in our region. Since then, everything has been speeding up, accelerating to the huge change we are seeing now. So, nowadays, we are in a city of 1.5 million inhabitants and in a metropolitan area of 3.5 million inhabitants with virtually no activity. Uh, All the commercial activities exception made of pharmacies and grocery shops and supermarkets are closed, virtually all, uh, just to reduce the chances of the virus to uh, transmit itself in the community. We have seen a raise of the number of cases from one to the current 60,000 in the country. We have been seeing a raise of the intensive care facilities occupation from 25% to virtually 200% now. This is the situation in my region. The situation in my hospital has been changing day by day in the same direction we started by slowing down our elective activity and having less surgery than scheduled uh, in order to free space for eventual uh, needs from the emergency after that we stopped all the emergency all the non-emergency activity after that we received instructions from the uh, regional government to make available the hospital for the emergency and nowadays, we are doing in a, a, a orthopedic surgery center, we are doing only some minor trauma. We became the for the city, together to another orthopedic hospital, the Gaetano Pini Institute. We became the two halves for all the traumatology, exception made of that requiring intensive care. Second, all our intensive care uh, beds have been occupied by uh, COVID uh, patients. Third, our hospital has been emptied and has been progressively filled up with uh, respiratory patients from COVID infection. This is more or less the situation, which is shocking if you uh, realize that it's only one month from the first case uh, identification.
0: That is an incredible progression, uh, scary, uh, you know, uh, I'm speaking to you from uh, Massachusetts uh, where we are perhaps weeks behind Italy's progression. Uh, so essentially the uh, Institute of Orthopedical Galliazza has gone from an orthopedics hospital to a pulmonary hospital in one month. Uh, how many um, beds, if any, have you reserved for your orthopedics patients? And how do you maintain distance from uh, the COVID-19 patients?
1: Well, uh, there have been uh, some structural changes have been needed in the hospital. So now we have one floor of uh, ORs uh, dedicated to intensive care. So the ORs have been converted into intensive care rooms. In the second floor of OR, uh, we have made structural changes to have two different pathways. So you enter from one side, and there is a separation with the solid wall for the non-infected uh, pathway. There is another way for uh, another block of the OR for the infected pathway, and it's similar in the hospital. The patients in the COVID uh, ward have a very strict isolation pathway and policy in order to keep uh, isolated both the healthcare personnel
0: and the other patients into the hospital. And how are you keeping healthcare workers safe? Do you have sufficient personal protective equipment?
1: Yeah, that's difficult because uh, the the steps to keep uh, safe the healthcare personnel uh, depend on uh, education and discipline. So first of all, all of us have been through a course, a practical course on how to practice isolation in non-COVID areas and in COVID areas. We have special equipment to uh, enter in these areas. Though I have to confess you that Probably the world is, was not prepared to have enough individual protection material for facing this emergency. So, it has been for all the countries difficult to find enough equipment and we are having a, a tough moment to provide to all the workers uh, the needed material. But in my hospital nowadays, the need is by now covered.
0: hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, How are, uh, how are you and uh, your colleagues holding up? Well it's, uh, all this uh, problem has brought to
1: us a a very large change because our hospital works in with many surgeons who uh, provide services to the hospital, uh, like individual contractors. And the, after one week of the epidemics, the government uh, stated that we all had to uh, be available to provide services for the emergency, but the fact is that we are. We have had, in, in, in spite of that, we have had a reduction of the elective activities, so the overall activity has been changed. So, regarding my work, my personal work in the hospital, I have I have stepped from being a a uh, spine surgeon specialized in deformity and in complex cases. Now I'm only on call for trauma uh, cases. And I'm also on call for providing assistance with participating into the shifts for uh, taking care of respiratory patients on, in the works. Like That makes of me like a, a respiratory medicine resident now when, when I'm called to provide that service other hospitals have different situations in some hospitals which are uh, more in the middle or in the midst of of the uh, biggest numbers of of cases uh, there is a shortage of personnel and there are some uh, uh, some uh, migrations of personnel from hospital to hospital to be able to uh, maintain the, the treatment to patients regarding the teamwork it has been Stop. So another part of the work that we are taking care of as leaders of teams is trying to keep the contact by very frequent online uh, meetings with the team. We are trying first to take care of the needs of the individuals and of the health of the individuals belonging to my team, second we are trying to provide some workflow to keep attention uh, on the work and to, uh, to maintain the mind uh, clear and working. Third, we are also taking advantage of some extra time in order to provide additional education for surgeons and for junior surgeons and for residents. So this is how things are changing. So mm-hmm. these are the main changes. And I have to confess to you that, that one uh, very difficult thing to deal with is the sense of impotence of being waiting with uh, the need of uh, medical professionals in some hospitals. This has not been sufficiently coordinated and that's something that makes us uh, very sad and gives you a sense of
0: impotence too. Mm. It's an extraordinarily difficult situation. based on what you have learned and are sounds like are learning every day uh, what do you what do you wish you were doing differently and what advice do you have for hospitals and healthcare professionals in other countries Uh, in your introduction i have learned that this this
1: uh, interview potentially might get to some leaders and some people taking decisions and i think that the biggest learning we had here is that with this situation we have been reactive but we should have been proactive and that is the big difference so probably all of us had at the beginning of this in mind things like it's happening in china it's far from here it's not going to happen here and it happened here we were thinking that it is going to be like SARS infection or SARS epidemics that where uh, people carrying the virus and transmitting the virus have fever, and they don't. So many individuals begin to transmit the disease be- before they have any symptoms, or if, uh, many people will not even develop any sy- symptoms. So we have been running behind the situation. And I confess you that I'm looking at figures and I am making my graphics for, for two weeks now, and two weeks, ago, uh, it was very clear that what was happening here in Italy was happening just some weeks later, later in the rest of the world. So I think that that's something I would recommend you to do first. So if you wait to see people who are dying to act, then you will see in the next two weeks many more people dying for the decision uh, that were not taken. If you see today that the uh, occupancy rate of your emer- of your intensive care is 50%, with the measures that we had on field then, you have like two or four days to be 100%. And after that, it's going to be a disaster. So I think that this virus taught us, and in this situation, you have to be ahead of the curve. You cannot wait the facts to give you a reason to act. That's the main message. Hmm.
0: And perhaps it's too early for this, but uh, can you share a success story about preventing or treating COVID-19 at this point? I think that you are right. I
1: think it's early to tell a success history, but I think that we have learned many good things right now from, from this. I think that we have learned in Italy that when you see things happening to other countries, to other societies, you should learn that the world is so intercommunicated that it's going to happen to you. That's Mm -hmm. something we learned. And I think it's going to change the way we face new emergencies in the future. We have learned that uh, the community makes a difference. And I think that's the most positive message that I can bring to you. I think that this shock has been, uh, has made, blossom the best of the spirit of the society. And I think that that makes us much more uh, powerful, much stronger. And I think that is also a message in learning that is going to survive in the, man- in the minds of people who have lived a very easy life, in the wealthiest generation ever in the peacefulest generation ever now we have learned that individuals don't make it better than societies and i think that we have learned from our situation that investing in in healthcare for everyone is something that can preserve the society in its whole so we have seen that the investment of the governments in in our country for making a public health system that can cover all the population, probably is going to save our society from a bigger uh, catastrophe. And I think this, uh, by now, a very good happy end, by now. And I look forward to be able to discuss it with you again and to tell you that we have an even happier end of this
0: history. I also look forward to that day, uh, Dr. Berhano. So, to sum up uh, some of the lessons that you have uh, uh, passed along to us today, very valuable um, education and discipline among healthcare workers, but also the need for PPE. uh, To be proactive rather than reactive. uh, To treat large numbers of patients aggressively and finally, to be mindful that uh, because we are interconnected, especially in the face of a, uh, a very infectious uh, virus, uh, that healthcare for everyone rather than just for some uh, is the proper perspective. So thank you very much uh, for this, this sobering assessments. I do look forward to connecting uh, when the pandemic has passed, and thank you very much for your time. I'll be very happy to. Thank you very much.